1: Is it normal to have a really weird taste in my mouth? Is it normal to have nosebleeds? Why have my nipples become so much darker throughout
2: my pregnancy? Is it normal to have swollen ankles? Is it normal not to feel pregnant? Welcome to the third episode of Is It Normal? The pregnancy podcast with me, Jessie Ware. This podcast follows my pregnancy journey and with the help of some amazing experts is here to reassure you and inform you about all aspects of pregnancy and giving birth. I wish I'd had this when I first got pregnant with my firstborn. I'm now number three and I'm still yet to understand everything that goes on when you're pregnant and when you give birth. It's so different for so many people out there. And that's what you'll find on this podcast. There are so many symptoms, some that are quite unusual, some that are really common. But everything we cover is absolutely normal and hopefully a space for you to be able to voice that and feel reassured that you're in the same boat as somebody else out there. We are now at 8 to 10 weeks. Congratulations. In this episode, we'll be hearing from midwife Izzy Borton. She'll be our resident midwife throughout this series. And I thought it was important she joined us on this episode to talk us through the booking appointment that happens at this point in the pregnancy. But first, I'm joined by consultant obstetrician and gynecologist Jess McMicken, who is here to talk us through some possible concerns and symptoms and explain what's happening with your baby at this stage in the pregnancy. Hi, Jess, thank you so much for joining me. Hi Jessie, lovely Hi. to speak to you again. So, so Jess, I am now 10 weeks, I think. And the reason I think I'm 10 weeks is because I had a bit of a freak out and I thought, I'm just going to go for a reassurance scan. So my husband and I went, because I was starting to think that I was, it was like a, what's they call A phantom pregnancy. I was like, I don't believe I'm pregnant. I don't believe the tests. I'm kind of, my mind was playing havoc. So I went for a test. I thought I was about just over eight weeks and there was a heartbeat, which was brilliant. And the um, sonographer actually said that I was nine weeks, which was even better. (laughs) So, I mean, I don't know how accurate those are fully, but I mean, I'm sure they're quite accurate. But anyway, we all know about due dates, that they're a myth and that they should be due windows. But um, so apparently um, I am now 10 weeks. And so I also, another milestone was that I went to go and meet a midwife for my first midwife appointment where she took urine sample, bloods, and kind of went through talking to me about how I was feeling, where I intended to try and give birth, and got a bit of a background check on me, weight, always fun, uh, height, and kind of history of illnesses in my family and got kind of a background check on me. Why do they need so much information from you at that beginning point at your midwife appointment?
3: So it is a really thorough consultation and I'm hands off to the midwives for doing these appointments. Um, Why they go through all the nitty gritty information is what we're trying to do at that point in time is actually plan your pregnancy. So work out, oh, is there anything that needs red flagging? Um, you know, Do we need to offer you particular support around a certain time because you may have experienced losses before? What's going on with your own medical background that can impact on you and your baby this pregnancy? What that appointment will then do is it is designed to then say, oh, do you actually need to see an obstetrician in your pregnancy? Or is this something that can be managed by a midwife? Um, and so it's it's a really detailed appointment. Um, it, it basically, it's synthesizing a whole lot of information together and putting into plan, because we all like to plan things, of course, it, it's working out just where we're heading for your pregnancy.
2: I was really happy to see a heartbeat it- I saw it move. Fantastic. I could see yeah, dancing. <laughs> yeah, I could see a kind of funny old blob that looked like it was waving at me. So that was amazing to see that we could see legs and arms. I mean, very very tiny legs and arms, but what how big is the embryo now? And what equivalent of a vegetable is it? Everyone likes to do that now.
3: Oh, gosh. Now I'm trying to look around for my. God, uh, how sick of those of (laughs) you. What vegetable are we looking at? So, yes, so once. Once the heart starts beating, it means that your baby is generally sort of over sort of seven millimeters, which still sounds damn small. But by, of course, by the time you get to this sort of eight to 10 week mark um, that we're talking about, you know, your baby nine weeks, it's what the general thing I have in my head is 20 millimeters or more. So, you know, it's getting there now. So it's kind of doubling in size. Yeah, exactly. Um, And so when you think about it is right now all its organs are developing, so they need to fit in this little blob, and that's why it's doing this sort of rapid growth. Um, What also now happens is that placenta is really rapidly developing because that's obviously what's going to continue to feed your baby as it grows in the whole pregnancy. It's, it's, it's amazing now just how much you can see. And I think if you spoke to your mother and what she could see back in the day when she was pregnant with you, it's really different now just how much and how early we can start to see a baby take shape. Um, and that that's just from the amazing quality we have within ultrasounds.
2: Now, I feel really reassured that there is a viable pregnancy there Um What is this a difficult question? But I know that everyone is still worried about miscarrying. And that is why you're meant to have a scan at 12 weeks, because that's when it becomes slightly more viable. How much is by percentage, if you can give that to me is, is the chance of miscarrying going down? per week as you progress through the pregnancy
3: it's a really hard time and i don't think you could necessarily put a percentage of it on it right what we know with miscarriage so unfortunately it is common it's you know what we say is one in five pregnancies um, are affected by miscarriage in the first trimester the most common cause of miscarriage is chromosomal abnormality so there's something wrong with that baby that's developing Now, when you've obviously got to that heart part, we know that, you know, the baby's developed a heart. And so what it it sort of tells us is, oh, well, things are forming and they seem to be forming correctly. How much your risk changes at that? I'm just not quite sure, but you are right. You know, it's still getting to that 12-week magical mark that everyone focuses on. um, And that's why, yes, we do that screening at that 12-week mark, just to make sure things are okay.
2: So even though, and this may sound bleak, even though I've had seen a heartbeat I couldn't in that eight week scan see about chromosome or chromosome you know situations so potentially you know hoping not but there could be complications at that 12 week mark, and that's why people wait until 12 weeks to do the scan because you can do a more thorough test?
3: Yes. So between, say, a reassurance scan and your 12-week one, you can still, unfortunately, miscarry. um, And that would be then, you know, working out why it is. Now, what we've got to remember is miscarriages aren't just because of um, the baby's chromosome. So it can be that as that baby's trying to grow more, there's an implantation problem within your uterus itself or some women, you know, may have a medical problem as well that's predisposed, a risk to that pregnancy that it basically can no longer grow. So yes, as sad as it is, it, it's still not all happy days. But, you know, the fact that you've had a reassurance scan and things are good, it, it's positive.
2: Now, I like to exercise and I wondered whether that was encouraged during those early weeks of pregnancy? And if so, you know, I mean, I definitely don't feel like doing HIIT training at the moment, but I really love doing a spin class. And is it okay to kind of push your body and that heart rate to go up? Because I already feel like my heart rate is going up quicker anyway. So where's the point where you say, whoa?
3: Yeah. So from an exercise perspective, it's so important to continue to exercise in pregnancy, there's a lot of reasons, and obviously there's the medical benefits, so keeping fit, you know, you, you're going to go to labour at one point and you'll need that background fitness level. Um, what, Why we also encourage exercise um, is to help with our, you know, torso strength and obviously maintaining good posture, those sorts of things for carrying all that weight across our um, bellies. In addition, it's really good for the mind to obviously utilise exercises, those sorts of things. In first trimester, definitely there's no restrictions on exercise. The only caveat is that we don't want you running marathons um, or, you know, pushing your body to the extremes. Good, I'm glad to hear. Um, (laughs) We don't want your bodies temperature to go up significantly um, because what they've found in women who develop a really high body temperature, that then causes that pregnancy to be really hot. And they've connected an increased risk of miscarriage in those. Um, But yes, I think once again, it's listening to your body. And actually, if you do a spin class and go, oh, I can actually feel my heartbeat, you know, that tells you actually times to stop. Let's try something a little bit more um, chilled out and relaxing. I think also another point on the exercise, it it may be the time to start thinking about um, removing yourself from those contact exercises. So I'm not sure if you're a boxer or, you know, a rugby player or something like that. But that's where you start to think about, okay, well, what type of exercise should I be continuing in in pregnancy and keeping in mind your safety?
2: Another symptom that feels really common is dizziness. I definitely feel it as soon as I wake up in the morning, you kind of sit up and I kind of have to take a moment to just wait because otherwise I worry that I would kind of fall over. What's happening there? Why are we dizzy?
3: Your body is dizzy because what happens in early pregnancy is your, your vessels, they undergo this sort of valose dilatation effect. And your blood pressure, interestingly, in first pressure just drops. Okay, so that's, that's the effect of those hormones. It's sort of causing that sort of blood pressure to drop right down in first trimester. As you continue in pregnancy, your blood pressure will then continue to creep up a little bit. So you know, if you took your blood pressure today and compared it in four weeks' time, your baseline blood pressure is a little bit different. When your blood pressure drops, you feel dizzy. So what you've pointed out there is actually you know, when you're lying down, you, know, you know, your body's sort of in this sort of supine thing, and when you stand up, you're like, oh, my blood pressure has just taken a big drop in its boots. And that, that's a really typical early pregnancy sign that we see. Regarding
2: people that aren't going to go for a reassurance scan because it it it, it isn't necessary, but it, if you want to do it, like I did, you can. It would be a private one, so you'd have to pay usually. Um, but would you now know without doing that scan if you had an ectopic pregnancy?
3: So an ectopic pregnancy, to recap on some views that may not have heard this before, but it's a pregnancy that grows outside your womb and most commonly that's within your fallopian tubes. Now, as we can think of in our heads and if we know our anatomy, our uterus and our tubes are very different in appearance and size. So what happens when it's an ectopic pregnancy is it continues to grow in that tube and all of a sudden it can't fit. It, it explodes. It's sort of the tube can't sustain that growth. And so what happens with an ectopic pregnancy is it may be spotted by that point And that could be because someone feels a bit of pain and it just doesn't quite feel right and they have a scan. Mm-hmm. Or it explodes and it's a bit of an emergency situation, and that's what we call a ruptured ectopic. Now, the ectopic pregnancy, when it grows in a tube, really you would probably know by eight weeks because actually it possibly has exploded by then. In saying that though, you know, sometimes we get dates and pregnancy and gestations very, very wrong for some reason. Um, and so, yes, it, it may be that it's not detected, but it's more commonly known by this point. With an ectopic pregnancy some of the classic symptoms that you get are abdominal pain and that's why you know if you're feeling really unusual constant abdominal pain or something that's quite concerning that's when you do seek that medical assessment that will include screening you for an ectopic pregnancy.
2: When do most of these symptoms start kind of dying down is it by about 10 weeks?
3: So the typical pregnancy hormone symptoms yeah it 's hard, and i don 't want you know someone to say, "Hey, you lied to me, um, but <laughs> generally you know towards the end of your first trimester it, it tends to be happier days, and that 's because you know what then happens is our hormone levels change, our placenta is now sustaining up our, our baby and its growth, you know, things are, are different in your body changes. And also you've become a little bit more used to, I guess, the changes that are occurring. So yes, it, it's sort of that turning point in pregnancy. Um, and of course, that obviously then coincides with the fact you can then, you know, tell people, oh, you know, you start to break the news that you're pregnant.
2: Thank you, Jess McMicking. So, as Jess was explaining, between eight to ten weeks, you'll be having your booking appointment with your midwife. So I thought this would be a great opportunity to introduce you all to our expert midwife, Isabel Borton, or as I like to call her, Izzy, who's going to explain why the booking appointment is so important. Hi, Izzy.
1: Hi, Jess.
2: So, yeah, can you you tell me a bit about the booking appointment? This, for um, a first-time mum, will be their first kind of point of call with someone who will be really kind of confirming their pregnancy and um, moving it along and kind of referring them I I think unless you've kind of already had a viability scan.
1: Yeah so um, generally by 10 weeks you should have heard from a midwife and she should have booked you in for this appointment as you said it lasts about an hour and it's kind of an introduction it will be to your antenatal care so it's your first appointment with someone so it's obviously quite exciting for that reason for women they they do feel come to this appointment with lots of questions And it's basically an opportunity for your midwife to take a really thorough history. So that might include, well, it will include your medical history, your family history, if you've had any previous pregnancies. So it might be that you've had a baby before, or it might be that you've had miscarriages or terminations in the past. So all of that's really important to share with your midwife. It can feel quite, um, because we ask so many questions and a lot of them can feel quite personal, um, but they're all generally there for a reason so the midwife can get as much information as possible and then she can kind of plan the care that you're going to receive in pregnancy as best as possible. She'll go through all of that information with you and she'll cover quite a lot of information sharing as well. So some of the things she might talk to you about are such as your mental health, your kind of general physical health, she will be talking or he sorry there are some male midwives out there
2: i had one in my first ever birth emilio shout out emilio uch amazing, amazing.
1: i know i'm being terribly gendered there so yeah either he or she will discuss with you things like uh what vaccines we might recommend in pregnancy she'll check that you're taking your pregnancy vitamins so folic acid would be really important to be taking up until this point. Also, vitamin D is really important to be taking throughout your pregnancy. Mm. She might share some information on antenatal classes, place of birth options. Um, She'll also be kind of talking to you about some other confidential things. So she will be asking you at that appointment about the relationship with your partner if you have one and, um, you know, making sure that you feel safe at home and that if there's any history of things like domestic abuse and, and that kind of thing.
2: And, and then what happens... So the midwife gets all this information and then is that how they can categorise whether you are a high-risk pregnancy already at 10 weeks or low risk and is it that kind of navigating to see what kind of special care a pregnant woman may need during their pregnancy?
1: Yeah exactly so I know it can feel it's a bit like feeling like you're being put in a box when we talk about low risk and high risk and you know regardless of those things you will you know be seeing a midwife regularly throughout your pregnancy but you're right there might be some factors in your kind of medical history for example that mean it would be best for you to be under the shared care of both an obstetrician and a midwife because your pregnancy is higher risk and you know it's a bit of a tricky one saying you're high risk it makes you think god something awful is going to happen at Mm. any point and and that's not you know that's not what we're saying what we're wanting to make sure is that you're getting any additional appointments that you need. So with a doctor, it might be that you need additional scans or additional screening and testing. So, for example, one of those things might be um, the midwife determines that you would benefit from having a glucose tolerance test, which screens for diabetes. Some hospitals offer that to all women and some hospitals just offer that to women with risk factors. Or it might be, you know, that you're coming into pregnancy with, for example, you may already have a heart condition. And in that case, you know, definitely we'd want you to be under the care of uh, a doctor that specialises in heart conditions in pregnancy as well. So absolutely, it might be at booking that the midwife finds that you're, you're low risk, doesn't expect you to have kind of any complications, Um And and it's not to say that things may not develop later in the pregnancy, Mm. uh, but it's it's just that from that kind of first appointment, you're on one pathway, which is for kind of routine care.
2: Izzy, how many women do you see that kind of start as high risk? And and maybe this is a hard question to answer, but potentially will be categorised as high risk. Is it quite a high number just to potentially because that would maybe reassure women that it's not just them in it or is it quite low and then um, is there ever the chance that somebody can start as high risk and then move into the low risk category or is that quite unusual
1: yeah so I guess it's hard to say numbers exactly I would say it's very common for women to have a few factors which Mm. may make them slightly more at risk than someone with kind of no problems at all but it might be that it's kind of as you move through pregnancy, you have these different milestones, which then help to confirm whether things are as you know are going to be a bit more complex. So, for example, when you go for your twenty-week scan, that is an opportunity for um, the sonographer to have a really detailed look at baby um, and to kind of look at you know how the organs have developed and how structure of baby's developed. Um, and also things like your placenta, so whether it's in um, a kind of low-lying position or whether it's uh, higher up. So those kind of things can can be explored as we go along. I'd say if at the booking appointment you have any risk factors, such as you know if you have a pre-existing medical condition, then then that's you know not going to go away. Um, mm. So that that, but it might not be that it's too early for us to say whether that will impact your pregnancy or not. Mm. Sometimes women have, um, you know, things like asthma or um, eczema and, and you know, it probably won't have a, any impact on their pregnancy, but um, it might be that some symptoms that you have prior to pregnancy relating to a medical condition worsen in pregnancy and sometimes they improve in pregnancy. Um, so I don't know if that answered your question or no, not. No, I
2: think it just shows that, it can really vary and that's really helpful.
0: Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news?
3: J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023
0: award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
2: What else happens at the... We have this long chat with the midwife, but they also take bloods, I believe.
1: Yeah, so you'll have this long chat and Mm. then they'll also do a few kind of physical examinations. So they'll check your blood pressure. They'll get you to do a urine sample. Lots of trusts are also offering kind of carbon monoxide monitoring. So we check if you have high levels of carbon monoxide. And, you know, that might be because you're actually a smoker, in which case she'd be giving you some information and support on on smoking and how to try to stop smoking pregnancy. But But sometimes we actually pick up women who have, you know... High carbon monoxide levels because they live in a polluted area. And then also, you'll be offered these booking, we call them booking bloods. So, they're a series of blood tests, and some of them are part of the um, kind of NHS screening program. So, uh, the blood tests that we offer are to check your blood group and that will be your blood group but also your rhesus status so whether your blood group is positive or negative
2: can you just explain what rhesus is because as somebody who's already been pregnant I found out about rhesus negative Mm -hmm. I've never heard of it uh, and found out later and I was like shock horror what is this oh my god can you please explain to the listeners about you've just mentioned rhesus there so why is that so important to find out
1: So when you have a blood group, um, which will either be A, O, AB, or B, and then you have the second part of that is whether you are positive or negative. And if you're negative, so that's your rhesus status, if you're rhesus negative, your baby may also be rhesus negative, but they could also be rhesus positive if they've inherited that from the father. Um, So if they are rhesus positive... In the course of your pregnancy, if there is any mixing of your blood and your baby's blood, the most likely time for that to happen would be at birth, but it can happen during the antenatal period as well. Then your body will recognise um, that there is rhesus positive blood uh, present in, in the bloodstream that, is, that isn't belonging to your body. And you will then produce antibodies in reaction to that. And this wouldn't necessarily cause problems during a first pregnancy with a rhesus positive baby, but if treatment is not given, it might have implications um, or it's quite likely to have implications in future pregnancies and it can affect the health of the baby. So the way that we avoid that happening is uh, for women that are rhesus negative we will offer you something called anti-D prophylaxis. Now, this is a—it's an injection and it's a blood product. And essentially what it does is we give it to the mum usually around 28 weeks. And it basically mops up any antibodies that have formed in reaction to the fetus. And so it prevents that antibody reaction happening. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, no, it's and I think we can also talk about this at week twenty eight as well, you know, when you would be going yeah. to get that anti D shot if you have found out that your Reese is negative and we can go through that again. But I think um what was reassuring for me, it felt like such a big thing. And actually it's one injection that really solves it for future pregnancies. Um am I right? Is yeah, that right?
1: Yeah, and Well, even more so, I don't know if this is available everywhere at the moment, but some hospitals have um, brought in a test where the mum has a blood test between kind of weeks 15 to 25. Mm. And um, it's similar technology to the Harmony test or the, um, it's called NIPT test, where essentially we can actually test fetal DNA in the mother's bloodstream. So we can actually find out whether the baby is rhesus positive or negative and then we can decide whether the mum actually needs the anti-D. So sometimes she won't need it because if the baby's negative then then she isn't going to form any of those antibodies and if she's positive then we can give her the anti-D during the pregnancy and once the baby's born as well. I also wanted to know why is it so important to
2: have the booking appointment between eight and 10 weeks. Is there something that happens in that time in your body as a pregnant woman that it's necessary to meet the midwife at that time and to have the bloods at that time?
1: So, some of the bloods we like to do by 10 weeks. So, one of the things we're testing for is um, hemoglobinopathies, which is a bit of a mouthful. Um, so, that's things like sickle cell and thalassemia. And our kind of national screening programme says that, you know, they recommend that we've taken that test before 10 weeks. You know, if you haven't met a midwife by that point, it's not that something dreadful is going to happen, but it's just good for us to have kind of, seen you before your 12-week scan so that you're booked into our system and we have um, all your kind of relevant information there so it's the kind of start of the pregnancy in a way from your kind of antenatal care perspective but it's not that we're going to kind of necessarily miss something and, and it's you know if you're booked at 11 weeks it's it's not a huge disaster or anything but saying that you know we know that in terms of pregnancy outcomes that if we book women earlier in the pregnancy and they're getting the care that they need throughout then they're going to have improved pregnancy outcomes.
2: Anything else about the bloods that they're going to be looking for?
1: So the other thing we're checking for is we we do a kind of infection screen or virology screen which is for HIV, syphilis and hepatitis B. We've talked about the sickle cell and thalassemia and then another test that your midwife will do which is not part of the screening program but it's just generally um, a blood test we do to check kind of elements of your overall health. Um, It's called a full blood count and one of the kind of most important aspects of that is something called your hemoglobin levels and that kind of relates to your iron levels in your body And we really want to make sure that you have good iron levels in pregnancy. And a lot of women will become anemic in pregnancy. So that's when you have low iron and maybe prescribed kind of tablets or encouraged to try to increase iron levels in their diet. Um, So I generally advise women to kind of preempt that a little bit and just ensure you're getting good levels of iron rich foods in your diet. And
2: um, give some examples of iron rich foods for us just off the top of your head.
1: Leafy green vegetables, pulses like lentils and chickpeas. Um if you eat meat, it's you know you can get quite a lot of iron from red meat, um, but it's also in you know things like chicken and fish and then also things like oh, I remember my mentor when I was working always told me um when I was training to be a midwife that Dried apricots with dark chocolate have good iron levels in. Now, I don't know if that's actually true or not, but I feel like it's a tempting one for women if they're struggling to get iron in their diet.
2: (laughs) I think think that's a really important one that you just added there. Thank you, Izzy. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Izzy, I've talked about some symptoms with Jess McMicking, who is our obstetrician that we have on this podcast. But I did have a query that I wanted to play you. So have a listen to this.
1: Hi, I'm Sophie and I'm currently nine weeks pregnant and I just have a question about spotting. It's something that you read about and some
3: places it kind of says, oh, it's nothing to worry about and others says, check this urgently. So just kind of want to know really how serious it is if you have any spotting at this stage in pregnancy.
2: So spotting, that's quite a normal, quite common symptom at the beginning of your pregnancy?
1: Yeah it is quite common um, for women to have a bit of spotting I think it's it's kind of one in four or one in five women will have a little bit of spotting um, and when we say spotting we mean kind of very light bleeding so it might be a little bit of pink or brown discharge on when you're wiping yourself I would say it is quite common if you have kind of fresh bleeding or you're finding that the spotting is lasting is kind of over several days and you're having some cramping it probably is Best to call your um, early pregnancy unit at your hospital or speak to your midwife um, because they can always offer you a kind of a scan at that stage just to make sure that everything is okay. But saying that, it's difficult because it is very common. But I think if you're concerned, then then it's a good idea to reach out to your midwife and and talk it through to them and just check. And if you haven't met your midwife yet, then you can always. Usually your local maternity unit will have an early pregnancy unit where they offer scans and things and you can give them a call and check.
2: Thank you so much, Izzy, for being here Our Midwife. Can't wait to hear more from you throughout the series. Thank you for all your information.
1: You're welcome. Thanks, Jess.
2: Thank you to Jess and Izzy for taking us through eight to ten weeks. And in the next episode, there'll be more details about the 12-week scan as I'm joined by the sonographer, Kate Richardson, who will be going through everything that you need to know about what's going to happen at that scan. I hope you're feeling all right. Good luck at your booking appointment and we will see you very, very soon. Lots of love. And if you're enjoying this podcast, perhaps you'd like to give us a like or a subscribe or leave a review. It all helps a little and it definitely helps other people to discover this podcast too.